And welcome to another episode. Now, if you are fresh and new to Reggae Uprising podcast, it is all about connecting people of the African diaspora through wisdom, overstanding, inspirational stories, all backed by a soundtrack of sweet reggae music. So what happens is each and every Wednesday, we share the journey, we share the wisdom, we share the inspirational stories of a fresh and new guest alongside seven reggae selections. However, sometimes we like to mix it up here at Reggae Uprising Podcast and we share special episodes, special series or special editions to focus in on and zone in on things that might be going on in the world at the time, things that you as the listeners have said that you want to find out more information about, you want more detail about, you want us to get somebody in specifically to speak about a certain moment in time or a certain subject. Or it might be that we want to celebrate certain brothers and sisters or a certain celebration day. So previous special editions for this year have included Bob Marley's 7-7 Earthstrung, in which we celebrated his works, his albums, got to listen to so many beautiful high vibrations from such a prolifically influential brother. So, um, yeah, I know you all really enjoyed those two episodes. Uh, We also featured the life and times of COVID in which we featured a brother or sister from a different country across four episodes. So we featured the UK, USA, Jamaica and Ethiopia, and they shared their experiences of COVID up until that point in time. So they shared what it was like on the ground, the different lockdown experiences, the different economic um, influences that happened during that time and how it affected our community alongside obviously their own personal story of their experience of COVID. But if we're talking special editions, special series, special episodes that we've done throughout the history of Reggae Uprising podcast, well, you've got over 100 episodes to pick from. So a lot of them, a majority of them will be featuring special guests, but we have so many different special series. It might be focused on the history of reggae music, the history of Rastafari, it could be Oh, what else? The Mind Over Matter series that we did. Or our Lockdown Survival Kit, Mental Health Edition, Health is Wealth Special, Triumph Over Adversity Special. There's so many specials and they're all special in their own unique way. There's so many more that I didn't even mention. Um, so you, if, if you are fresh and new, there is so much knowledge wisdom and inspiration to be shared with over at 100 episodes please just pick and choose you can read up in the description find out what it's all about find out what we're going to be talking about and obviously with all of the episodes reggae music features as the soundtrack it is the vibration that carries all the resonance of the words straight to you to have the greatest impact possible So with this in mind, last week was no different as we featured our special episode 
honoring our ancestors, where we featured the works of some amazing brothers and sisters, their works, their poetry alongside reggae music, alongside those reggae vibrations. And it was such a powerful episode. Thank you so, so much to everybody that shared the love, shared the episode and let me know how it impacted them and how it made them feel like I really do appreciate all of your feedback and all of your love with that episode so much so that this week uh, we're continuing with that theme because you loved it so much we're going to continue with it so again this week we're not going to be featuring a guest we are focused on ancestral messengers So the thread that ties all of these brothers and sisters together might be that a messenger was a pivotal part of the story. It might be that they're a messenger themselves or it might be the message that comes through through their life's works. Yeah. So that is the common thread that ties all of these brothers and sisters together. Of course, we're going to be featuring reggae music in between all of these works as well. All of the extracts that are featured in this episode will be listed in the description. So we're crediting everybody's works that are featured within this body of work. So please go and check out their works, find out more information about them and support their works as well. So alongside the extract will also be listed the reggae tracks, the reggae vibrations, their artists and the name of their work. So please support both of them. Before we get started, though, if you haven't already subscribed to Reggae Uprising podcast, please do so now wherever you're listening to Reggae Uprising podcast. Yeah. And if you have subscribed, but you haven't shared it with a fellow brother and sister yet that you think needs uplifting or would just really love the wisdom that is shared in these works, please, please, please do share it. Also, as well as being the host of Reggae Uprising podcast, I'm also a singer-songwriter of high vibration. So if you want to check out my original works, you can go to daniel.co.uk. That's D-A-N-I-E-A-L.co.uk. You can find all of my music videos, my music. You can also find out my latest performance date. You can check out other previous shows because we also have High Vibes Friday. We have the original Reggae Uprising that Reggae Uprising podcast came from along some some other extra specials as well. Oh, you can also subscribe there as well. So you can also be the first to hear everything Daniil if you subscribe there too. And if you want to go all in on everything, all of my social media can be found via daniel.co.uk too. And if you would like to get in touch with me, if you would like to feature on an upcoming Reggae Uprising podcast, or maybe you've got a future music project that you'd like to collaborate on, or maybe it is just some positive works that you would like to speak to me about, about a possible collaboration If you don't want to get in touch via my social media, there is a contact page on daniel.co.uk. So please get in touch with me there. So that's d-a-n-i-e-a-l.co.uk. Right, I think it's about time we got started with this week's episode, Ancestral Messengers. 
So we are going to begin with Kandake Amanarinas. And this short introduction is an excerpt taken from historyofyesterday.com, which I'll also leave in the description with the rest of the accreditations of the works featured in this episode. Kandake Amanarinas was the brave queen of the ancient African kingdom of Kush, located in modern-day Sudan. During her reign, she successfully led the Kushite army against the Romans in a war that lasted for five years. Today, she's considered one of the most famous queens of the kingdom of Kush and is referred to as the one-eyed queen as she lost an eye whilst in battle. Amonarinus was born within the periods of 60 and 50 BC. She was married to Emperor Teriquetas, who later died in battle during the early periods of the five-year war with the Romans. After the death of her husband, Amonarinus ascended the throne as the ruler of the kingdom of Kush, being the second amongst the four Kandekes, or queens, of Kush. At the time of her reign, the Roman Empire was expanding rapidly as they conquered several territories in Kush and Britain. As the Romans began pushing the borders of the south of Kush into the kingdom of Kush. Amanarinus fought bravely to stop them. And here is where our story begins. The beloved monarch of Meroe, Queen Amanarinus, upon her throne she sat, pondering her next move. Yet again a foreign foe had taken her neighbor's land to the north, down the Nile the bravest of them yet. These northern men attempt to impose on the sovereignty of her people living down the Nile, Egypt as it is called by them. Excessive taxation and mistreatment of her people in the upper part of that realm, she cannot have this. Finally, she decides to act. A swift victory was made that day, plentiful was the war booty of old Kemet with her enemy's hands bound behind them and a bronze statue of Augustus lying below her conquering palm. She made her way back to Meroe with vengeful plight. The head must go under the temple as we walk about it day and night. This she exclaimed as she embodied the spirit of her ancestors, the warrior queens that came before her known to the world as Kandakis. The Greeks knew them as Candaces. The deed was done. A full Kushite year passed as she patiently awaited retaliation, for surely they would come. I beseech you, my queen, the men of the north march near Napata. The northern historian Strabo recounts how they made easy work of the pure-skinned Kushites at Selchus. Petronius, their leader, fortified his position en route to Napata. The oppression of the desert sun afflicted them, a condition unknown to them. An unsuitable, roadless country deemed unfit for superior operations wearied the mind of Petronius. Finding the endeavor hopeless, he decided upon a strategic withdrawal. 
Ah, a friendlier term to ease the ear of his superior. The Lion God epidemic smiled upon Queen Amanorunis that day. Instantly she knew she could not be defeated. She fully believed the unwavering bow of Cush had made Petronius hesitant. With haste she planned her return, for she, the morning and evening star, could not let a generation go by without her light guiding her people. You see, Amanarinus needed an alliance. From the south they came, many in number. The land of the bow was ready, and skirmishes descended on the garrisons of the Northmen. What shall be said this day, but that a final battle never occurred, due to the political acumen of the queen? An audience was drawn for Queen Amanorinus at the island of Samos. Ambassadors, holding in their hands a bundle of golden arrows, instructed with the full confidence of the queen, sent a message to their monarch. Queen Amanorinus sends you these arrows. If you want peace, they're a token of her friendship and warmth. If you want war, keep the arrows, for you're going to need them. The confidence of Kush was unshaken and for good reason. They had their very own conquering star, Queen Amanorinus. That day, the queen obtained all she had desired and exemplified the glory and majesty of Kush. Claim no victory till you're pure and your mind both 
emphasize at the outstart that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is not a politician. That's right. That's right. So I'm not here this afternoon as a Republican, nor as a Democrat. Not as a Mason, nor as an Elk. Not as a Protestant, nor a Catholic. Not as a Christian, nor a Jew. Not as a Baptist, nor a Methodist. In fact, not even as an American. Because if I was an American, the problem that confronts our people today wouldn't even exist. So I have to stand here today as what I was when I was born, a black man. Before there was any such thing as a Republican or a Democrat, we were black. Before there was any such thing as a Mason or an Elk, 
we were black. Before there was any such thing as a Jew or a Christian, we were black people. In fact, before there was any such place as America, we were black. And after America has long passed from the scene, there will still be black people. I'm gonna tell you like it really is. Every election year, these politicians are sent up here to pacify. They're sent here and set up here by the white men. This is what they do. They send drugs in Harlem down here to pacify us. They send alcohol down here to pacify us. They send prostitution down here to pacify us. Why, you can't even get drugs in Harlem without the white man's permission. You can't get prostitution in Harlem without the white man's permission. You can't get gambling in Harlem without the white man's permission. Every time you break the seal on that liquor bottle, that's a government seal you're breaking. Oh, I say it, I say it again, you've been had. You've been took. You've been hoodwinked. Bamboozled. Let astray. Run amok. This is what he does. Here, at this final hour, in this quiet place, Harlem has come to bid farewell to one of its brightest hopes, extinguished now and gone from us forever. It is not in the memory of man that this beleaguered, unfortunate, but nonetheless proud community has found a braver, more gallant young champion than this Afro-American who lies before us unconquered still. I say the word again as he would want me to, Afro-American, Afro-American Malcolm. Malcolm had stopped being Negro years ago. It had become too small, too puny, too weak a word for him. Malcolm was bigger than that. Malcolm had become an Afro-American, and he wanted so desperately that we, that all his people, would become Afro-Americans too. There are those who still consider it their duty, as friends of the Negro people, to tell us to revile him, to flee, even from the presence of his memory, to save ourselves by writing him out of the history of our turbulent times. And we will smile. They will say that he is of hate, a fanatic, a racist, who can only bring evil to the cause for which you struggle. And we will answer and say unto them, did you ever talk to Brother Malcolm? Did you ever touch him or have him smile at you? Did you ever really listen to him? You haven't done the right thing. Was he ever himself associated with violence or any public disturbance? For if you did, you would know him. And if you knew him, you would know why we must honor him. Malcolm was our manhood, our living black manhood. This was his meaning to his people, and in honoring him, we honor the best in ourselves. However much we may have differed with him, or with each other about him and his value as a man, let his going from us serve only to bring us together now. Consigning these mortal remains to earth, the common mother of all, 
secure in the knowledge that what we place in the ground is no more now a man, but a seed, which after the winter of our discontent will come forth again to meet us, and we shall know him then for what he was and is, a prince, our own black shining prince, who didn't hesitate to die because he loved us so. And so today, May 19th, we celebrate Malcolm X's birthday because he was a great, great Afro-American. And Malcolm X is you, all of you. And you are Malcolm X. I'm Malcolm X! 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 I am 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 Malcolm X! As Brother Malcolm said, we declare our right on this earth to be a man, to be a human being, to be given the rights of a human being, to be respected as a human being in this society, on this earth, in this day, which we intended to bring into existence. By any means necessary. Salam alaikum. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. Everybody is here. As many of you know, uh, last March, when it was announced that I was no longer in the black Muslim movement, it was pointed out that it was my intention to work among the 22 million non-Muslim Afro-Americans and to try and form some type of organization or create a situation where the young people, our young people, the students and others, could study the problems of our people for a period of time and then come up with a new analysis and give us some new ideas and some new suggestions as to how to approach a problem that too many other people had been playing around with for too long. And that we would have some kind of meeting and determine at a later date whether to form a black nationalist party or a black nationalist army. There have been many of our people across the country from all walks of life who have taken it upon themselves to try and pool their ideas 
and to come up with some kind of solution to the problem that confronts all of our people. And tonight we are here to try and get an understanding of what it is they've come up with. Also, recently, when I was blessed to make a trip or a pilgrimage, a, re a religious pilgrimage to the holy city of Mecca, where I met many people from all over the world, plus spent many weeks in Africa trying to broaden my own scope and get an open, more of an open mind to look at the problem as it actually is. One of the things that I realized, and I realized this even before going over there, was that the, our African brothers have gained their independence faster than you and I here in America have. They've also gained recognition and respect as human beings much faster than you and I. Just 10 years ago on the African continent, our people were colonized. They were suffering all forms of colonization, oppression, exploitation, degradation, humiliation, discrimination, and every other kind of Asian. And in uh, a short time, they have gained more independence, more recognition, more respect as human beings than you and I have. And you and I live in a country which is supposed to be the citadel of education, freedom, justice, democracy, and all of those other pretty sounding words. So it was our intention to try and find out what was our African brothers doing to get results so that you and I could study what they had done and perhaps gain from that study or benefit from their experiences. And, and my traveling over there was designed to help to find out how. One of the first things that the independent African nations did was to form an organization called the Organization of African Unity. The purpose of our organization of Afro-American unity, which has the same aim and objective, to fight whoever gets in our way. <laughs> to bring about the complete independence of people of African descent here in the Western Hemisphere and first here in the United States and bring about the freedom of these people by any means necessary. That's our motto. The purpose of our organization is to start right here in Harlem, which has the largest concentration of people of African descent that exists anywhere on this earth. There are more Africans here in Harlem than exist in any city on the African continent. Because that's what you and I are, Africans. The Charter of the United Nations, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the Constitution of the United States and the Bill of Rights are the principles in which we believe and that th these documents, if put into practice, represent the essence of mankind's hopes and, uh, and good intentions, desirous that all Afro-American people and organizations should henceforth unite so that the welfare and well-being of our people will be assured we are resolved to reinforce the common bond of purpose between our people by submerging all of our differences and establishing non-sectarian constructive programs for human rights. We hereby present this charter, number one, the establishment. The organization of Afro-American unity shall include all people of African descent in the Western Hemisphere. In essence, what it is saying 
instead of you and me running around here seeking allies in our struggle for freedom in the Irish neighborhood or the Jewish neighborhood or the Italian neighborhood, we need to, we need to seek some allies among people who look something like we do. And once we get their allies, It's time out for you and me to stop running away from the wolf right into the arms of the fox, looking for some kind of help. That's a drag. <laughs> Number two, self-defense. Since self-preservation is the first law of nature. We assert the Afro-Americans' right to self-defense. The Constitution of the United States of America clearly affirms the right of every American citizen to bear arms. And, as Americans, we will not give up a single right guaranteed under the Constitution. The history, the history of unpunished violence against our people clearly indicates that we must be prepared to defend ourselves or we will continue to be a defenseless people at the mercy of a ruthless and violent racist mob. Wanted us to be. We are what we are. That's the way it's going to be. If you don't know, you can't educate us or no equal opportunity. Talking about my freedom, people. Thank you. 
I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord.
seeing long term, seeing a vision, understanding that nothing really worthwhile happens overnight and just sticking to your script long enough to make something real happen. Laying a brick every day instead of trying to build a brick wall. Just lay a brick every day. Eventually you look up, you're gonna have a brick wall. I've never been one of the people that could be comfortable being careless. Some people, I, I noticed the quality that they don't have that, they just don't have the, 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 the I guess, the pressure on themselves. You know, they just have a little bit of a, a, a comfort that I don't have. I don't feel comfortable unless I know I went above and beyond with my preparation. The things that possibly could happen, if I ain't take real steps to prevent those things, I'm not comfortable. I can't walk around, you know, charismatic and happy. Nah, I gotta make sure, you know, we setting up some type of wealth because we might have, we might have a little bag right now, but we know a lot of people had a bag right now and they ended up bad. We got a core business, which is for me music, but then it's about building an enterprise around it. And I think, you know, that's what we see Jay-Z has done. That's what we see um, Puff has done. The music don't become how you pay the bills. It, it's a lot of pressure off of it. You got other things bringing in income. You can make music solely as an artist. You know, I was always a hustler. So mm -hmm. when I talk to a young dude, I'm like, bro, my advice to you is going to be money advice. I don't going to get uh, philosophical. Get right, right. Religious <laughs> yeah. Bro, get you some money. You're going to feel different. Straight you, up. It might, you might even, all that other advice I could have gave you, this is the short version. You know, get you a couple dollars, man. You're going to feel different. Obviously, having a passion for music since day one, the dream and the vision was to, um, you know, start a label and start a, a music movement, a music brand. And then just thinking like as a chess player, you know, assuming that we would have success in music, the next thing became, dang, what do we do next? And just looking at the blueprint that people like Jay and Puff laid, mm -hmm. we like want to, you know, mm -hmm. offer our opinion into fashion. Yeah, so <clears throat> the actual brand, the name of the brand obviously is the Marathon. And it just stands for endurance. It stands for staying down. It stands for like not quitting, accepting the ups and downs of whatever game you commit yourself to and riding it out. You feel me? Because, you know, that's the reality of, uh, you know, success or greatness that it come with a roller coaster ride. You know, so I think that anybody could apply the marathon concept to what they do. If it's sports, if it's fashion, if it's music, um, if it's hustling, whatever, you're, just on, a you're on a marathon, you know, so to make that the basis of our, you know, fashion line. Um, I look at it like, you know, we honor the people that ain't quit. We honor the people that stay down. You know, I be juggling. You know what I'm saying? I juggle a lot. I play a lot of positions, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So um, my mentality when I, when I do start to be like, damn, this is a lot, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, this, that's what it's supposed to feel like. If if you are going toward what the vision look like, and that's like greatness. That's you know, on multiple levels. Mm -hmm. That's the vision that I'm working toward. So I'm like, I just think about that. Like this shit ain't supposed to feel, you know, comfortable. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. It's supposed to stretch you. It's supposed to be a burden to a degree. And you gotta, you know, wrap your mind around that and accept it and embrace it. And you catch some wisdom off of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, get the walls. Nah, you know what I'm saying? We used to have a studio set up here. You know what I mean? And just motivation on the wall. You know what I mean? We brainstorm round table. A lot of times if we ain't at the studio, we ain't at the shop, we come on mat. You know what I'm saying? You got you to all money in. You know, stay focused. Quitting is not an option. Six O's make a million. Big money only. You know, talk about it. Be about it. 
You know what I mean? How hard are you really going? Different things that you wake up to, you know what I mean? When you're on this marathon. Words is powerful, you know? And I think that um, the ability to articulate, you know, you can, you, can, you can really impact people. I think as human beings, everybody has a natural gift and a natural passion, but then you go outside and you get influenced and you, and you feel pressure from, from what's going on outside. And so, you know, I read one time, like, would you rather be at war with yourself and at peace with the world or at peace with yourself and at war with the world? Mm -hmm. And that was powerful for me. Main, most important thing, number one, is you got to get rid of doubt. If you got doubt in what you're doing, it's not going to work. You know what I'm saying? And the way to do that is you have a plan. Because if you got a plan, it's not like just a pipe dream. You have a step-by-step -step list of things to do to get to your goal. If you don't have that, it's very hard to really have faith in what you're doing. Because as soon as something pop up, it's going to look like the end all. But if you got a game plan of everything you need to do, you know, one thing pop up, well, I still got to do this, 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 and that, so this ain't going to stop me. You know what I'm saying? Another thing pop up, well, shit, I accomplished this two things. I, since my last obstacle, I only got three more things to do. Let me keep pushing. Fuck it. Pretty soon you, you, you attained your goal, and then you create another one. But without a game plan, without... A, a strong sense of faith in what you're doing, it's gonna be real hard to accomplish anything. And I know, you know, it's a lot of obstacles out here. Family, baby mamas, the legal system, trouble with the law, you know, your homeboys being involved in a, in, in a crab in the bucket syndrome, where, you know what I mean, you making moves and, and starting to make your way out. And people start trying to attach themselves to you. It really become weight, you know what I'm saying, extra weight. And sometimes it's like kamikaze, they blow themselves up trying to stop you. So, you know, you just gotta, you gotta have faith in what you're doing and not take no for an answer and you'll get it. It'll be a long run, but you'll get it, for sure. You gotta go hard, you gotta believe in yourself and you gotta have a sense of humor and know that bullshit is gonna happen. You can't be too serious about it, too emotionally affected when bullshit happens. You have to just stick to the script, believe, have overwhelming confidence, be your own biggest fan, your own biggest believer, and put it on your back and carry the weight. You feel me? Success to me, I say it a lot, it's just being able to do what you love to do and, and support yourself off of it. Live your dream and do what you love to do every day. So I'm successful in my eyes, because I don't sell dope, I don't go to work, but I do music and I love to do it. And that's all I have to do to maintain. Number one, you know, I just feel better, homie. I sleep better, you know what I mean? I just, I got a, a level of like, I'm at peace with what I'm doing. I feel good about what I'm waking up doing and about my lifestyle. At one point, I, didn't, I, I wasn't proud of my lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't, I wasn't content with what I was doing on a day-to-day -day basis. I wasn't happy with that. So it was eating at me. Even right. though I'd be on the surface, cool and straight, deep down, I wasn't. I knew that this wasn't the direction of what I need to be doing. Now I wake up with the feeling that I'm going in the direction that I'm here for. Like what I'm on this planet for, I'm doing it. When you don't have resources, you're in survival mode. You know, so being in survival mode automatically rules out a lot of things because you don't care about morality because you don't experience morality. You experience, you know, the need to survive. You don't experience, you know, fairness. You don't experience planning for the future. You just experience my ribs touching, you know what I mean? And it's better me than you. And you know, it's a survival instinct that kick in. So I think once you get out of the survival mode, your, your morals come back closer to, to your daily decision-making. You start thinking about what's right and what do I believe in? But until you get out of survival mode, you ain't got time to be worrying about right and wrong. You worrying about 
bottom line, you know what I mean? By any means necessary. So I think that economics is the answer. Empowering people economically is how you really, really impact. But I don't know if it's about dropping a bag of money in the hood. I think it's about impacting culture in a way that, you know, the mentality changes. Um, I, I couldn't make a blanket statement to just the young people doing dirt. I don't think that's honest. You know what I mean? It's context for everything. Nothing happens in a vacuum, you know? But I would say that, you know what I mean? You're gonna lay in the bed you make. You're not gonna get away with nothing in terms of the energy. You know what I mean? You might beat the, the camera or the police. They might not catch you for what you're doing, but the energy is always gonna return to you. So when, you, when you're just living in this, in this cycle of being negative all day and just putting out negativity and, and that's the only energy you're putting out, it's gonna return to you in different form than you put it out in. So I would just say, you know, master your energy, do your best to master your energy and, your, and what you put out, you know, and, um, unless that's what you want, you know, cause you, you're entitled to whatever you wanna create, whatever experience you wanna create for yourself. But if you're tired of that shit, adjust the energy. You know what I mean? As best you can, adjust, adjust what you wake up thinking and what you say. And then lastly, what you do. And that's not an easy thing to do because it's, it's such a pressure in, the, in, the, in these areas to just go by the, the way things are. But, you know, it's a lot of examples that you could look up to as young kids in the streets. You could look up to, a, you know, a Kendrick Lamar. Not the words, forget what he's saying, just where he came from. I seen him, you could, you could YouTube him freestyling the Nicholson Garden Projects. You could look up to a Nip Hustle. You know, you could look up to any one of these guys that came from this, this, this hopelessness and, and, you know, wiggled their way through it. You know what I mean? And you could reverse engineer what they did. You know, look at the steps, what, what, what happened. The example I would like to set is by my demonstration. Like, yeah, you can get it. It wasn't no outlet for me. I was on Crenshaw and Sloss and I created an outlet. My trunk, you feel what I'm saying? It's, it, everything is cheap. The camera we filming this interview on is probably less than $200, you know what I mean? So you can you can definitely touch people for the for a small amount of money if that's what you want to do. It's no longer a $10,000 camera, $200,000 studio. It's not, that, that day and age is over with. It's at the playing field is level. So if you got an idea and a game plan and you want to do something, you can really do it. And I, that's my example I set. All my original goals, I met them. I had, I had I had goals as somebody coming out the street. So I didn't have a hell of a entertainment set of goals. I never wanted to win a Grammy. That was not my goal coming out the street. Them is music goals now mm -hmm. that I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm in the music game. That was never my goal. I never thought about selling a million records. I thought about, you know, doing something legit to, to make my money and being able to, you know, not worry about when I heard the helicopter late at night thinking they was coming to kick the door down. Right. You know, I was like, I read an article that Joel Santana made 15000 a show. I don't know if it was true or not, but I'm like, damn, you can make 15000 a show? That's how I was thinking at that time. Like, you know, what we did as teenagers to make 15000 you get a lot of years for it. Absolutely. So, you know, you could go oh. do a tour where you make that every night. And then I remember looking at every state, like it's 50 states. If I could sell a thousand units in each state, Indy, at $8 a unit, you know what I mean? I could make somewhere near half a million if I just figure out how to do that. And that was my little 
entry level goal. So you know, we 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 established and accomplished them things early, and I had to re re redevelop my goals. Now that I was in the game and I learned niggas get a million a show, niggas get half a million a show. I didn't know that. I didn't know that you know you got. I knew, but I didn't. I didn't think that it was realistic that you could really sell millions and millions of records and become a global brand. So as I became exposed to these situations, met these people that performed on that level, and like you know, you ain't no smarter than me. You know what I'm saying? You we just you just in a position. You just mm -hmm. you know you you uh, you you sitting in, in in a space where you could execute on that level. You know what I mean? I start reestablishing what my goals were. One thing I noticed about myself. When I when I like, uh, I think you know thoughts is powerful in yeah. all facets. Cause even my career, even my life, you know things end up turning out exactly how I visualized them. Not right. not in this time frame I expected. You know what I'm saying? You always want shit to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. But you know, I just had clear visions. You know, obviously outside of my girl, I just mean the music right, and, right, and right. hustling and just how I viewed myself as an adult when I was a young dude coming up. And uh, your thoughts powerful. That shit, you know, come to life if you stick to your script. Creative destruction, the risky business of going against the grain. The reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable one persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. On the head. It's radicals, you know what I'm saying?
episode ancestral messengers i hope those messages have got you in a variety of different ways have spoken to your own individual story and really resonate with you if you haven't already subscribed to reggae uprising podcast please do now and please share these works if you would like to connect with me, please get in touch via daniel.co.uk. That's d-a-n-i-e-a-l.co.uk. I hope you have a wonderful week. Please make sure you come straight back here next Wednesday for a 
fresh and new episode. I'm going to leave you with the high vibrations of Damien Marley. Life is a circle. Blessed love. Always with us now It's always with me, y'all God bless us all, each and every one of us It's always with us now So I pray Life is a circle That goes round and round Mine's not a circus And I'm not a clown Some people with us Some with their frown Still I know my purpose is to share what we found Some people insist To wear others down And all will bear witness Unto who wears the crown
always with us now. It's always with I now. It's always with me, y'all. Always with I, y'all. Would never let me down. Has never let I down. It's always with us, y'all. It's always with I now. Always with us, y'all. Always with us.